Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. In the months following Michael Brown's death in Ferguson six years ago, a professor at the University of Missouri-St. Louis dreamed up a new program. Patty Parker is a professor of biology at UMSL, and the program she founded is the Collaborative Laboratory Internships and Mentoring Blueprint, better known as CLIMB. The idea was to offer full-time paid internships to students from Jennings High School. The internships provide hands-on campus experience to these high school students. The goal is to jumpstart future study, or even careers in science for, quote, high-ability but low-opportunity students. CLIMB has been going strong for five years now. It just added students from a second high school, University City High, and it's been an unusual summer for any internship, to say the least, but they have made it work. And joining us today to talk about it is UMSL biology professor Patty Parker. Patty, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Sarah. It's nice to be here. So, Patty, what led you to start this program? Well, I think my major incentive and motivation was the death of Michael Brown. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the day that he was shot. I was up at UMSL. It was a Saturday. And, you know, UMSL is in North St. Louis. And at that time in my career, I was spending most of my research effort going to the Galapagos Islands and mentoring students who were studying in faraway places Mm -hmm. rather than spending my efforts here closer to home. And that event was very motivating for me. And it was followed closely by an invitation from a former UMSL student, Remy Bryant, who was at that time a biology teacher and still is at Jennings Senior High, to invite me to join their um, advisory committee for their project Lead the Way. Hmm. And I was happy to do that. And then all the rest of this was born out of that relationship. So you almost got started at Jennings um, working with this advisory program before this program fully took shape. Did you know, you know, once you felt that call to try to work with kids in the North St. Louis County area, um, did you know right away internships were what made sense? Or did you have something else in mind at first? Well, I think internships were first. Um, There was another member of the advisory board who had a single internship at St. Louis University and I realized that there was no reason we couldn't do that at UMSL. And in some ways we were ideally positioned to do it because we were so nearby. Mm-hmm. So the, the prospect of getting the students from home to the campus was a simple one by, by providing a Metrolink pass. Um, it just did quickly come to internships as the vehicle that we could offer to try to make a difference in this environment of the haves and the have nots to try to sort of even that playing field and uh, and provide opportunities to these low opportunity but very, very bright students. So I want to ask, so many internships, um, you know, they end up being 10 hours a week, something like that, or they're unpaid. People are just doing it for the experience. Why was it important to you to have these be full-time work and paid work? Well, they actually started as half-time paid, um, and that way we could reach twice as many students. But the problem, first of all, I realized that they would have to be paid because these are students who themselves are often contributing importantly to the to the income of the household that they're in. And so they need to work in the summer and offering unpaid internships to students who really need to work is really not going to go anywhere. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I recognized right away that we needed funding because we needed to pay them. The first summer that we did it, it was 20 halftime positions. And almost all of those students got other halftime jobs because they wanted to take full advantage of the summer to try to earn as much money as they possibly could. And that made scheduling a nightmare. Mm. So we talked to the school and we talked to the funder and we said, what about half as many students, but twice as much time commitment? And that way we can outcompete those other halftime employers and, and pay for them to come full-time 40 hours a week to UMSL. And that that was the key to success. And so that ended up working out. People were on board for 40 hours a week. They, they were up for having this full-time job. They were up for having this full-time job. And you might want to talk to Dakota about that, who I know is here with us, one of the students. And um, I, I think the real pressure was from the faculty side, because each one of these students comes to UMSL and engages in authentic research with a faculty-led research laboratory. There are several of them in the chemistry department, several of them in the biology department, math and computer science, physics. We've had anthropology. We've had uh, economics. And this year, we've added communication. So they really are across campus. And coming up with a a 40-hour-a-week program where an individual set of researchers can, can work with, oversee, and engage in the full research process a 17-year-old is something that requires a lot of thinking from the university side mm-hmm. of the equation. But your but fellow professors, it sounds like they were up for that challenge. They were. They were. And so you also, and we do want to talk to Dakota here in just a second, but I wanted to ask you one more question before I turn it over to her. And that is, you'd mentioned the f- a funder. Uh, so what ended up being the funding source for this whole program? Well, even to this day, we are funded primarily by a private individual who wishes to remain anonymous. I just actually met with him at length on Friday. Um, and he is a St. Louis citizen, and he is, he wants to see um, the right thing done in St. Louis and, and help establish a pipeline to STEM jobs for deserving students who have lacked access to those pathways. And... Um, he is just this wonderful person. We have, with additional funding from the TRIO Foundation, been able to expand this year to invite three additional interns from University City. Um, and then we also have funding from the Webster Groves Nature Study Society that has added three additional interns um, to the 2020 cohort. So how many are you up to now? 16. 16. So we were, wow. Yeah, and- we were, we were- uh-huh. And a big are- chunk of that is this anonymous individual. I am so fascinated by that. I mean, this guy just must be, I, I mean, it's just amazing. He's really putting he, his money where his mouth is. He, he, he really is. It's not about the recognition to him. He's a wonderful person. Uh, you know what? I, I fully agree with you on that. Just hearing this limited thing that you've told me, I am blown away by that. Well, that is this whole climb program. This is great news. And this uh, this funder of this, this is somebody that I'm so impressed by. And we're also joined today by um, by a second guest, somebody that I'm also impressed with. This is the salutatorian of Jennings High School from this past year and somebody who's been a participant in the climb program. And that's Dakota Warren. Uh, Dakota, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Dakota, I understand you first participated in CLIMB in the summer of 2019. What led you to apply to this program? I originally applied because my sister had been in the program the year before me, 
And a lot of my principals were pushing for me to do the internship because they thought it'd be a good fit for me. Had you been interested in science even before this program? I was interested in psychology, but not really research until I decided to do the program. And, and how did the program end up getting you more interested in the research side of things? It made me fully realize that research isn't just like sitting in a room all day and like reading research papers and trying to figure out solutions that have positive results every time. It's about trial and error. Sometimes, depending on your research topic, you have to go out, leave the lab, and have in-person talks or experiments with whatever your topic is. So you were there in the summer of 2019. This is before any of us even knew that COVID-19 was going to change our lives in all sorts of horrible ways. Um, What were you working on throughout the course of that summer? I was actually in Dr. Parker's lab, and we were working with birds trying to discover if they had avian malaria or not. And we were looking at two distinct species, trying to figure out if avian malaria was the cause of why one species was able to prevail more than the other. Hmm. So were you working with living birds on this? Uh, We would actually go to her backyard to catch birds to get samples because it was more common that the birds that we caught in her backyard would be exposed to the same amount of things, so our data would be more accurate. Patty, this sounds like just a remarkable thing to have high school students working on. You're there catching birds, and then you're looking into avian malaria. And I should note, you want to make clear, this is not avian flu. You are not exposing these kids to that. But did you devise this whole project with this particular cohort in mind? Um, Actually, yes, because originally the first two years, in fact, the year that that Kelly, Dakota's older sister, participated, we had them working on samples in a similar question that we had, we had brought those samples back from our studies of Galapagos birds. And so they were doing the laboratory component, but but they were unable to see the full arc of a research study, the development of a question the execution of the field part where you go out and catch the animals and take samples from them without harming them and then release them. And then you bring those samples back to the lab and you, you um, conduct the DNA studies to, to address your question. And so we devised this study on our local sparrows precisely for that reason, because first of all, it's going to be publishable. So we're going to end up with publications from this work that will involve the interns from this year and past years as co-authors. So it's a legitimate scientific question, but we could do it locally. And that way, those students could see the full arc of the execution of research from the development of the question through the field components, bringing the, the samples to the lab and doing the DNA studies analyzing them, writing the paper and publishing it so that they will be able to see the full, they will also be able to see that it takes a long time. Yeah, (laughs) Dakota, I mean, has this been, it sounds like this has been quite a long process, but it ends with, you're going to get a co-author credit on this. Is is that something that that feels important? Definitely. I know that some students that we were even working with in the lab tried to fully explain to us, like, 
the weight of what we were doing and how the, that would affect us and our professional standing later on in life when we did go to college. Yeah, I mean, that just seems like something you could even start your, your entrance letter to a college. Like, I am a published author. Like, you're already, you're starting on second base, so to speak. I mean, that must have been pretty exciting to learn that part of it. Any and all opportunities that I've been able to get through uh, this internship and even my high school have been great compared to if I was at a different high school. And it's a really unique experience, especially with this internship. So, Patty, it just sounds like the coolest program, and, and I can picture these students in your yard, um, you know, capturing these birds. And now this past summer, um, due to the pandemic that we're in, this was obviously a much different experience for the participants. How did the coronavirus change things? Well, of course, we weren't able to bring the students to campus, and so that changed everything right there. And before we go on to this next topic, I just want to say this won't be the first publication that has come out of our internship program. So David Friend was one of our interns in last year and the year before, no, two years ago, 2017, 2018. And he uh, is a co-author on a publication that came out just a few weeks ago from his internship experience in a collaboration between a professor in physics and a professor in biology. So, hmm. so that's already, that kind of payoff has already accrued to some members of our, of our program. But anyway, 2020, came and of course it changed everything. And what we hope to do is to still be able to bring the interns to campus when we feel that it's safe mm -hmm. for them to be as fully involved as, um, as they have been in every past year in those laboratories. But until that time, we were not willing to just say, okay, you're on your own for the summer. And so we came up with this virtual experience and we took 20% of our total funding and devised this um, experience that our interns, our 2020 interns could have virtually. And we decided, and this was the, the idea of Miranda Ming, who at the time was the principal of Jennings Senior High um, and one of my partners, the other is Dr. Rhonda Key. But Dr. Ming said, why don't we have them study the coronavirus? Hmm. And so, we, we took these interns and divided them into, well, working with them, divided them into four teams that approached four different aspects in a kind of building manner, in a, in a sequential manner, building from the ground up. Team one focused on just what are viruses and what is a coronavirus in particular and how does its transmission work. Team two compared it this virus to other pandemics, the Spanish flu, Spanish influenza from a hundred years ago, um, polio, one of the students chose, chose polio. And then teams three and four focused precisely with great impact on trying to understand why the coronavirus has hit the African-American community so much harder than other communities. Mm. Team three focused on pre-existing health conditions, asthma, high blood pressure. Why are these more likely to occur in African-American communities than in non-African-American communities? And then team four focused on the more socioeconomic aspects by asking questions like, um, are African-Americans less likely to seek health care when they become infected? And why might that be? Do they have insurance? Are they less likely to have insurance? 
Um, are they less likely to trust medical professionals? Are they in career paths? Are they in jobs that require them to continue to work because they have to put food on the table? And, and you know, they're not earning enough in many cases to be able to work from home. And so, so they examined in great detail all of those aspects of the coronavirus. Now, Dakota, I understand you were back again this summer for this um, online uh, coronavirus-focused research. Uh, what part of it did you focus on? I was in Team 2, where we focused on the research and history of past pandemics and how we could apply that to the coronavirus and see how we wanted to shape our future off of that. So that seems like such an important question. Did you come away from that research with any big takeaway? It was mainly about making sure that we all did our part in wearing our masks and making sure that we were distancing ourselves effectively and being mindful of those that are more susceptible to the disease and trying to make sure that we are patient in relaxing those uh, restrictions that we have put in place on businesses and whenever we go outside and things like that. So Serenity Simpson, um, like Dakota Warren here, is a 2020 Jennings graduate, and she participated in the CLIMB program this summer as well. She's planning to major in biology at UMSL this fall, and she told us how important having some um, positive science experiences early in her education have been on that path. I became interested in science and biology because I had some amazing teachers who really focused on being hands-on, but making it, like, fun. And Serenity Simpson credits her forensic science teacher at Jennings, as well as a previous internship at WashU, where she was in the lab working with bacteria in Petri dishes. And this summer, through the CLIMB program, she further honed her skills in thinking like a scientist. So I had to do research on how COVID was with in the relation with strokes and high blood pressure. So I had to do a lot of research, but then I also had to think because, you know, you don't want to copy everything you see. So you have to think and brainstorm on your own and you have to, you know, you can take from different parts and places, but you also have to like make it your own. You know what I mean? And that is Serenity Simpson. Um, Patty Parker, it must just feel so good to hear her talk about thinking like a scientist, even though she can't be in the lab there in person the way that um, students in this program were in past summers, um, that she's still kind of having that breakthrough. Do you see a moment with your interns where you see things start to suddenly click? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sitting here with a, if you could see me, you would see this big grin spread across my face. Um, it makes me so happy to hear her say that. And um, I was just contacted by uh, Paris Seegers, who was, a, who was valedictorian at Jennings from 2017 and is getting ready to graduate. She's going into her senior year at the University of Alabama and, and maintaining a 3.8 grade point average and going to be applying for medical schools, asking me if I would write her a letter of recommendation. She was wow. in my lab when she came through the, the program, but it was part time at that time. And she was really excited to hear that it's now full time and, you know, we can avoid all those scheduling conflicts. But but yes, to answer your question, there is a point where you can see, it doesn't happen to everyone, 
but it does happen to most of them that you can see things click and you can see kind of the light turn on and you can see them begin to own it, right? So the process of owning your research question and internalizing it and really committing to understanding something that may not be fully understood now, which is why you're asking the question, is really an exciting thing once you realize that this is research that you are conducting and not something that somebody is handing to you. Dakota, did you have a moment like that where you felt like everything sort of fall into place or or was there not just one moment that sticks out in terms of that click? I think the click was when we finally were able to give our final presentation to all of our parents and friends and family. And like when they finally saw what we were doing over the past few weeks and it just summed up in total our results and just show the impact and you can see that they understand what it took you weeks to finally learn because it's really sometimes difficult scientific processes that you have to learn step by step and I think it's nice just to see them fully comprehend what you've been able to do and achieve. And it is so exciting even just to hear about it today. So Dakota Warren, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Dakota will be attending UMSL this fall. She's going to major in psychology. Um, And Patty Parker of the University of Missouri-St. Louis, thank you so much for sharing about this amazing program. Sarah, thank you so much for having us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.